Building memorials to remember notable people and events isn't just an important way to preserve our history. Memorials are also important to God. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah concludes his messages in Joshua, a nation in crisis, with a closer look at memorials and why you probably have a few of them in your own life. Here's David to introduce today's message, Monuments of Victory. Well, thank you for joining us, and and thank you so much for being with us during the month of February. Only 28 days. um, We're we're a little bit short in the number of programs we have during the month of February, but February is always a a really great month. I love this month, and um, well, I guess I should be honest, it's my birthday month, so February is a great month, and we've had a great time talking about how to live courageously for Christ. And um, we we began the month with um, a bunch of passages that were kind of my favorites. I told you at the beginning that I, I should have called the, this series Passages That Pump Me Up, uh, because these passages really have encouraged me over the years. And the story of the crossings, the Red Sea and the Jordan, are filled with motivational truths to help you make your transitions. And of course, the beginning of a new year is always a transition time. This whole COVID thing has um, interrupted our routines to such an extent. We need some stabilizing truth from the Word of God to help us stay focused. And that's what we've tried to do during the month of February. And we chose a resource that was just so powerful. I expect to hear from many of you that uh, the Jordan River Rules was a vibrant uh, blessing in your life. And um, I want to say thank you to Rob Morgan um, as we end this month together for this great little resource that has um, been our privilege to distribute through the Turning Point Network during the month of February. There's still time for you to get your copy. All you have to do is send a gift to Turning Point and do it in the next 24 hours. And um, when when you send your gift, just say, please send me the book for the month of February. If you forget the name of it, that's just fine. Or you can ask for the Jordan River Rules by Rob Morgan, and we'll send it to you. And what that does, in my mind, as I think about it, is it just extends the teaching of February on into the future. I've always felt like a book is a very special thing because it doesn't ever go away. It stays somewhere, and people read it, and then they pass it on, and then somebody who wasn't supposed to read it reads it, and it changes their life. Um, we just had a testimony in our church from a lady who got saved reading the notes in the Jeremiah Study Bible. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you put something in print, and this little book has the potential to be a catalyst for you and for all who read it. So today's your last day. Make sure you get your gift in today and ask for your copy of Rob Morgan's book. Well, here we go. This is the last message Uh, from our little mini-series, and today we're going to talk about Monuments of Victory. We live in a generation that has lost touch with the past, and we are so focused on a new age that we are losing touch with the present. But Joshua 4 teaches us that the memories of the past and the hopes of the future help us to understand how we are to live in the present. The chapter reveals the importance of remembering. Israel, when we come to Joshua chapter 4, has finally crossed over the Jordan River. 
The priests have held the Ark of the Covenant high so everyone could see. God has held back the southward flow of the river so that all of these people marched across the Jordan River and on into Canaan, and they marched across on dry ground. And the result of that was many, many wonderful things worth remembering took place. Let me just enumerate four or five of them as we look back at the third chapter. First of all, when this happened, the Bible says that the people were sanctified. Notice the fifth verse of the third chapter, Joshua 3, 5. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In the process of preparing to cross the Jordan River, there had been a revival among the people of Israel. They had gotten together, they had prayed, they had asked for forgiveness, they had cleansed their own hearts, they had been sanctified or made holy. It was that kind of an event. Sometimes things are so momentous in our lives that they call forth from us a new sense of holiness. The people were sanctified. But notice, secondly, Joshua was magnified through this event. Notice the seventh verse of the third chapter. The Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now you folks all remember that Joshua was given the awesome assignment of being Moses' successor. Moses was the greatest man who had lived up to this point in time. And God said to Joshua, you are going to follow him and be the next leader. And you have to believe Joshua was mighty concerned about that. And so God told Joshua, the first thing I'm going to do now that you're the leader is I'm going to do something so magnificent that the people will see that you have the same power and authority with me that Moses had. I'm going to magnify you in the sight of the people so that when they see Joshua now, they will say, you know, Joshua has the same power with God that Moses had. Did that happen? Turn over to the fourth chapter and 14th verse and notice. It says, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared Joshua as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. And the word fear means they reverenced him. They held him in high regard. So the people were sanctified, and Joshua was magnified, and thirdly, the Lord was glorified. Through the crossing of the Jordan and this tremendous miracle, we find out that God was magnified and glorified in the minds of the people. When the Lord had led the Israelites out of Egypt after they'd been there for those generations, do you remember that in the closing days just before they had their exodus and they went across the Red Sea, that Moses got into a contest with Pharaoh concerning power. Moses would do a miracle and then Pharaoh's magicians would try to imitate it. And they kind of went neck and neck in this race until they got toward the end. And then God showed himself to be above and beyond anything that the idols or the gods of this age could ever duplicate. And then, of course, when God led the people of Israel to the Red Sea and he miraculously opened it and they went through on dry ground and all the Egyptians were drowned as they chased after the Israelites, the word got out very quickly that this God of Israel was indeed a magnificent God worthy of all the glory that was given to him. And we read in the fourth chapter in verse 24 that God said to Joshua, 
that the memorials he was to present were so that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Something happened when the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River and God miraculously again opened up the way for them at flood season and they went through on dry ground. That word spread all over Canaan and wherever people met, they talked about the God of Israel. Now that God, he's something. He is a great God. He's the living God. So on that day when the people of Israel crossed over Jordan, the people were sanctified and Joshua was magnified and the Lord was glorified. And one other thing happened and that is the word of God was verified. You see, in the first part of the third chapter, God told Joshua, this is what's going to happen. You tell the people to go down and put their feet in the water and when they do, this and this and this will happen. So the people of God took Joshua at his word because Joshua had taken God at his word. And when you read the chapter, what you find out is what you always find out when you trust God, and that is he always does exactly what he says he's going to do. And that's what he did that day. His word was verified. Now, watch carefully. All of this has happened. The people are safe on the other side of the river. This tremendous event which has focused in the minds of the people God wants Joshua to memorialize. God wants Joshua to make it certain that no one will ever forget what happens. And so he tells Joshua to get one person out of each of the 12 tribes, one representative man. And in the first eight verses of the fourth chapter, he tells Joshua to instruct those men to go down into the riverbed, which is still dry because the waters have not rolled back, and to find big stones. We know they have to be big because he told them to put them up on their shoulder and carry them out of there. He says, I want each of you 12 men representing the 12 tribes of Israel to take a stone and put it on your shoulder. And I want you to walk through the dry bed of the Jordan River up the west bank. And when you get to the clump of trees we now know as Gilgal, you put those stones down there. And Joshua later would come and make a monument out of those stones so the people would never forget what happened when they crossed the Jordan River. Then in verse 9, we are told that Joshua was to make another monument himself. Notice chapter 4, verse 9, that Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Now, I've given you all this background to say what I really want to say to you, and that is that God loves memorials. Did you know that? He loves memorials. He wants us to have memorials so that we won't forget. And we have a tremendous tendency to forget. That's why when he had preserved Noah through the flood and they had come out of the ark, God put a memorial in the sky. And he said to Noah, you look up in the sky and every time you see the rainbow, it's a memorial. It's a reminder of how I delivered you in the midst of the flood and it's a promise that I will never again destroy the earth by water. The rainbow is nothing but a memorial of God's faithfulness to Noah. Every time I see a rainbow, it's hard for me not to remember Noah and what God did for him. God gave to Abraham the sign of circumcision to separate him out from all the people. And God gave to the people of Israel the Ark of the Covenant that they carried on their shoulders. Do you remember what was inside that piece of furniture? There was the Decalogue, the law that God had given to Moses on Mount Sinai. There was the tables of stone. 
remembering that moment when God had given to his people a code of conduct by which to live. The other piece of implement that was in the Ark of the Covenant was a little jar, and the Bible says in that jar was some of the manna that God had used to feed the people of Israel while they were 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. Why was that in there? Just another memorial to the fact that God can feed people in the desert where there aren't any restaurants. And then there was Aaron's rod that budded. Again, a memento to the faithfulness of God. God loves memorials. And you know, he's given us some in our day and age. I know that a lot of people get very upset when Christians wear crosses. And I want to tell you something. I don't get upset about that at all unless those crosses still have Jesus on them. And if the cross has Jesus on them, I don't get upset. I just feel sad for that person because he's walking around with a picture of Jesus still on the cross. And my Jesus isn't on the cross. He came off the cross, went in the tomb, came out of the tomb, was resurrected, and is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I like to see an empty cross because it reminds me that Christ died and it is finished. And the empty cross just reminds me of the suffering of my Lord. That's a memorial to the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. And there's not anything wrong with that in the world. Some people think that we don't have any other mementos beside that. I see on your cars and some of you have it on your checks. I see the little ichthus sign. What is that? It's just a symbol. Jesus Christ, Savior, Lord. It goes back to the time of the catacombs when the Christians suffered for their faith. But you know, the greatest memorials we have, we probably don't even understand that they're memorials. Every time we have baptism in our church, that's a memorial that God has given to us. Why? What is baptism? It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason he's told us that we are to be baptized is so that we would never forget how it is that we have become Christians. Baptism doesn't save us. It pictures that we are saved. And men and women, that's why we think the memorial ought to be keeping with that which it memorializes. Some folks say, well, what difference does it make how people are baptized? Well, if baptism is a memorial and a picture, the monument or the memorial needs to match that which it pictures. And baptism, according to the New Testament, is a picture of our relationship with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we baptize the way we do, because that's what the New Testament says. Some folks say, well, can't you be baptized some other way? Well, yes, you can, but you've got an inaccurate picture. The picture doesn't teach what the memorial is all about. And we can't have a visual aid that doesn't match what it represents. That wouldn't work in school or any place else, and that's why it doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Then we have another memorial called communion. And every time we come to the Lord's Supper, we actually refer to that as the memorial supper. What is it? It's a reminder to us of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the cup tells us of his blood, and the bread tells us of his broken body. And you know, the Lord was wise. He instituted memorials. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget. The Lord loves memorials. But before we tell you the three reasons why he loves memorials in the closing moments, I want to give you just a word of caution. Because when I say that the Lord loves memorials, sometimes people take that too far. And it's possible to move from a meaningful memorial to the practice of idolatry. Did you know that? 
There's a story in the Old Testament about how the children of Israel were under the sentence of death. And God told Moses to take a serpent and put it on a brass pole, a brass serpent, a snake. And he said to the people of Israel, when they looked at that brass pole with the snake on it, the look would set them free from the poison that was in their system from the serpents that were killing them. Simply look at the snake that I have provided and you will be free from your disease. Well, you know what? So many people were saved and so many people kept their lives because of that, that the children of Israel decided that it would be a good thing to take that brass serpent that God had given to Moses and keep it as a memento, as a memorial of what God had done on that magnificent day. And so they kept it. But you know what happened? Over a period of 600 years, that memento, that memorial to God's goodness turned into an idol. So that when King Hezekiah came to the kingdom and was the king of Israel, he watched as the people of Israel were burning incense unto that brazen serpent. And he destroyed it. He took it away from it and pulverized it and destroyed it. Because a memorial had become an idol. Do you know what, folks? This book can become an idol. Have you ever heard a term called bibliolatry? Do you know that there are some people who worship the Bible? You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I thought you had a pretty high view of the Bible. Well, I do. But I don't worship this Bible. I worship the God this Bible represents. And this book is not anything to worship. This book simply tells me about a God I must worship. And it's possible even in the study of the Bible to become so enamored with the words and the phrases and all the content of the Bible that we place the Bible in the place of God. And when we do that, the Bible becomes an idol to us. No, it's very important that we understand that while God loves memorials, he hates idolatry. We must never let a memorial become an idolatrous practice. And that's what happens in many churches today. The things which originally were meant to be reminders of the suffering of Christ or the death of Christ now themselves have become idols. And if you've ever been in some of the pagan churches where this happens, people bow down and worship the idol instead of worshiping the God the memorial was meant to represent. But having said that and having given you that word of caution, let me just tell you that God loves memorials for three reasons, and they're all right here in the fourth chapter. Number one, memorials are important because they encourage the present generation. Sometimes we think memorials are for the future, and in a sense they are, but they're also for the present. Memorials encourage the present generation. Now, notice this. The generation that was entering the land of Canaan that was going across the Jordan River, going into the land of Canaan to settle it, they were going to face some hard times in the future. And God told Joshua, you get these 12 men, and you take those 12 stones out of the Jordan River, and you take them to Gilgal. And the Bible says that when Joshua came, he pitched them there. That means he constructed them in a monument. I don't know what it looked like, but those 12 stones were built in some sort of a monument. Memorials are number two for the purpose of educating the next generation. God ordains memorials as an educational tool. And he tells us in his word that we are to use memorials to teach our children about God. Notice what it says in verses 6 and 7 of the fourth chapter. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, 
What mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And notice again, down in verses 21 through 23, that the same thing is there. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. What is he saying? Well, he's saying, basically, that it is often difficult to pass on our spiritual heritage to our children and that it's very easy for children to forget what God has taught their parents. Children need to be reminded of their spiritual heritage. And Joshua pictures a time when the children of these people will come to their fathers and mothers and say, Mom and Dad, I was just walking around out in Gilgal today and I saw this big, huge pile of stones. What's that all about? Joshua said, you to sit down with your kids then and say, let me tell you what those stones mean. You know, there was a day when we were on the east bank of the river and it was flood time and there was no way across. And kids, you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to tell you it's the absolute truth. We trusted God and did what God told us to do. And we walked toward the river and we couldn't see anything happen. But in obedience, when we got to the edge of the river, God just rolled it back like a scroll and we walked over on dry ground. Kids, that's the kind of God we have. He's your God. He's the kind of God we want you to worship. Memorials educate the next generation. The Bible is filled with that truth in the Old Testament. If we had time, we could look at several other passages, but let me give you the third reason. Memorials not only encourage the present generation and educate the next generation, but memorials are evidence to the whole world concerning the true and living God. Notice the 24th verse of the fourth chapter that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Do you remember when the two spies went in to Jericho and were housed by Rahab the harlot? Do you remember that story? Do you remember what Rahab said to those two spies? Let me just remind you. Verse 10 of the second chapter she said, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth below. What did she say? She said, We heard what God did for you, and we are now convinced that he's really the God of heaven and earth. God said to Joshua, when you put these memorials up in Gilgal and out in the middle of the Jordan, one of the reasons for it is when people see that, they're going to remember, wow, the God of Israel, he's the real God. He's the true and living God. He's the God who does miracles for his people. God gives us memorials so that we might be encouraged ourselves, so that they might be used as tools to educate our children, and so that the whole world might know that we have a true and living God. Now, with that in mind, let me ask you three questions for you to think about. Don't you forget what God did. God loves memorials. Question number one is, what is God doing in your life that's worth memorializing? Number two, what legacy are you leaving to your children concerning God's wonderful works in your behalf? Question number three, what do your neighbors know about your God by the memorials you have created? 
I want to tell you something. God loves memorials, and we need to be creating them for ourselves, for our children, for the whole wide world, that we do indeed serve a true and living God. Well, you know, folks, whether we know it or not, we're creating monuments. All of us are. And I hope you're building some great monuments uh, for those who follow you uh, to look back and say, I remember when that happened. I remember when God did that for us. Um, I have a lot more I could say about that. But since this is our last time together for this month, I want to just point out that there is an ability for you to get the the series that we shared during the month of February, Courage to Conquer, you can get that uh, in study guide format and in CD format. And when you get those two things, you are ready to consider hosting a Bible study on the Courage to Conquer. Here's what you would do then. You would get your people together and say, this is what we're going to study. Get the study guides for everybody in your group, and then you're ready to go. And you will be studying the Word of God. I hope you'll do that. Don't forget, today's your last day. Make sure you get your gift in today and ask for your copy of Rob Morgan's book. We'll see you next time. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series in Joshua, A Nation in Crisis, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Learn how God uses crisis to prepare you for stronger days ahead. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin the seven churches of Revelation on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're ready to move towards the promises God has given you this year, then you'll love The Jordan River Rules, written by Robert Morgan. You'll learn 10 God-given strategies for moving forward, including how to encircle obstacles with biblical faith. This encouraging hardcover is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point this month. And when you give $70 or more, you'll also receive The Courage to Conquer set, featuring Dr. Jeremiah's teaching series, companion study guide, and bookmark. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. 
A rooster and his hens were scratching around the backyard of their owner's house when a football sailed over the fence and landed in the yard. After examining the football carefully, the rooster said to his hens, I'm not complaining, girls, but you should take a look at the work they're turning out next door. Well, comparing footballs with hen eggs is a bad business. In fact, most comparisons usually are. Comparing ourselves with others is a path that can lead to envy and jealousy and discouragement and resentment toward God. Instead, we should seek to honor God by fulfilling His plan for our life, not someone else's. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's best work in you on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.